0: For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now this is the day in which the interdenominational church is very, very popular. Uh, an interdenominational church simply means a church that will accept people from any denomination without change or without stressing or forcing a change upon the individual. Now, I do understand that from church to church that there could be a difference, and it might be different from what I've explained. But for the most part, an interdenominational church simply means a church that will accept people from all walks of life. An uh, example of that would be, if you are a Catholic, you may attend their services. And regardless of what the preacher preaches or what he believes, uh, they would not stress a change. If you were a Methodist, you may attend, and regardless of what you believe or preach, you would not he would not stress a change or force a change on you or even emphasize a change. If you were a Pentecostal as we are and you attended, the same would be true. In other words, just people get together and and they worship the Lord and they uh, find a common ground upon which they they meet and which they believe. The World Council of Churches or the uh, World Ecumenical Movement has for its preamble that we accept people of all denominations finding a common ground upon which to worship. Now, if my interpretation of the Scripture is correct, and I, I definitely believe it is, in Revelation 17, the false church is mentioned. Now, Revelation 17 occurs, or the the setting of Revelation 17 This actually occurs after the church has been raptured. The true church has already been raptured. Now, if you read Revelation 17, uh, the false church is called the great harlot. Uh, You will find that uh, this false church is also called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots in verse 5 the abomination of the earth. She committed fornication with the ten kings of the earth. Now this is, fornication of the ten kings of the earth simply means, it's it's figuratively speaking, that uh, the, the fornication that was committed was, was a, a spiritual act, not a physical act. So as a result, uh, there was a league formed between the ten kings of the earth and the false church. Now I can give you my interpretation of this. This would be my interpretation only because the scripture does not bear a witness or the scripture does not spell it out to the point that uh, I would give it to you. But I think that, that this is speaking of the European common market. And of course the reason why, because the Antichrist comes out of this system and the purpose of the, the, the European common market now is that nations can form a league and they they will have uh, buying and purchasing power over, over the superpowers of the world. Now, for the first time, uh, it happened during Nixon's administration, for the first time, the United States dollar was forced into devaluation by uh, foreign countries. Up until this time... Uh, It had never occurred. While the dollar may drop in its value, it was not forced by other nations. The ten kings of the earth evidently come together, and they come together for the purpose of having purchasing or binding power. While no nation of the European common market would be strong enough to force uh, an economic change in a country, all of them binding together, they could, they could do this. Of course, the problem that we find in Revelation 17 is that the king, ten kings of the earth work together with the false church. Now, the false church has already been taken out of, or I say the false church, the true church has already been taken out of the earth at this particular time. See, when, when Jesus Christ comes back for the church, uh, the world continues on maybe I'm speaking to somebody here this morning who is not familiar with the rapture of the church. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, also in 1 Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 13, that the Lord himself shall come back. When Jesus Christ ascended, the angel said, This same Jesus that you see go away shall come again in like manner. Now Jesus Christ is going to come back to the planet earth. And when he comes back to the earth, he will take out of the earth the true church of God. Now, the world continues on for a space of time. And during this time, religion becomes a very prominent thing. You know, you'd think that the world would become totally anti-God. Not so. Not so. For many people will will uh, turn to false religions. But the one church that rules over all the false religions of the world is found here in Revelation 17. Now, she is called the great whore or harlot that sits upon many waters. Many waters in the book of Revelation mean many peoples. And, of course, this, this uh, church that you see here, uh, it is described in verse 9 and here is the mind which hath wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman uh, sitteth and then of course if you go down to verse verse uh, 18 and the woman which is the false church which uh, saw us is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth and so the great city reigns over the kings of the earth now The technical name for the European Common Market is the Treaties of Rome because the foundation of it came out of Rome, and Rome is the city that sets upon seven hills. Now, I said all of that to inform you that, see, the problem with an ecumenical movement is this, that uh, it is possible for people to drop all doctrinal differences, and in doing so, They drop some things that are very, very vital in their walk with God. Now, when Jesus Christ walked upon the face of the earth, he stressed certain things. When the apostles walked upon the earth, they stressed certain things. The prophets of old, beginning with Moses, who gave the the law to Israel, he stressed certain things. Now, they all stressed certain things because they received their commandments from the Lord. It's necessary today that we stress certain things because the commandment comes from God. See, this is God's church. Jesus said that he was the door of the sheepfold in John 10. If a man comes up any other way, uh, Jesus said he's the same as a thief and a robber. And, of course, you know the Bible tells us in Revelation 20, when it speaks of the white throne judgment and it speaks of hell in which people will be cast... That uh, the thieves will be cast into hell. The liars will be cast there. Now Jesus said, if a man comes up any other way, he's the same same as a thief and a robber. Now we can only go to heaven uh, the way that God stresses or the way that God tells us to go. You can't just pick out your own way and say, well, uh, this is the way I want to uh, to do it. When Jesus was here, He made it very plain: I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. And if you go to heaven, you've got to go the Jesus way. Whatever Jesus said, that's what you have to do. See, it doesn't make any difference what is popular in our day. You've got to do it the way that Jesus tells us to do it. Now, I'm not here to to slam and to blast, but to show you something that I feel is very, very vital uh, in your walk with God. If you want a good, wholesome relationship with God... It must be founded or predicated upon what thus saith the word of the Lord. doesn't make any difference what Pastor Grant says, or doesn't make any difference what uh, Brother Felix says, or any other minister of this congregation. Neither does it make any difference what anybody of the city of Madison says. It's God's law, and so God has a final say. It's God's word. It simply means it came out of God. And all of our worship and our relationship with God must be based upon what God said. Now, the problem with dropping all doctrinal differences is that you may be uh, dropping a doctrine that is so vital as far as your relationship with God that you, that you actually drop God Himself. Now, you see, Jesus had this to say. He said, Not every man that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter therein. He said that... The the time will come in which people will stand before me on the judgment day. And, and, and uh, if you notice here, in first, Second Timothy, uh, he speaks of the, the day in which the Lord will judge both the quick and the dead. Now, that doesn't mean he judges the quick and the dead at the same time. But there is a time in which the quick are judged. The quick means those that are alive. That simply means those that have the Spirit of God in them. And and so God will judge the, the even those who have His own Spirit in them. Then of course there will be a time in which the dead shall rise from their graves, and God will judge them. So every man who's ever lived will be judged before God. He will stand before God, and, and that's something that's very very important for for you to understand. You may be dropping a doctrine, see that's so vital to God that you actually drop God Himself, and, and that's the problem that you find. You see, in our present day, because that we are hanging under the the cloud of nuclear war and the cloud of destruction, uh, people are crying peace, and also they're talking about love. We should we should love one another now. I definitely believe that that we need more love in our world than what we presently have. But I also understand that, that true love comes out of God. It does not come out of just a concept that you conjure up in your mind. It does not come out of a warm feeling that comes in your heart. The Bible says the love of God, the agape love, which is the ultimate in love, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And you just cannot manifest that type of love without the Holy Ghost. So, if it comes out of God and God is love, I think we ought to talk about love. But at the same time that we talk about love, we've got to we've got to stress the things that Jesus Christ stressed and keep everything in the bounds uh, by which He ordered it. You just can't uh, do it any old way. And what our world is accepting is love. Is, is not the ultimate in love, the agape love. Now, for an example, Jesus said, uh, He that loves me keeps my commandments. So if a man really loves God, what's he going to do? He's going to love the Bible. He really will. And he's going to love it to the point that he'll do whatever the Bible says, irregardless of how it affects his relationship with mankind. For our love must first be to God, and then laterally it reaches out to our fellow man. And then, of course, we have this peace movement that's in our world today. In fact, the peace movement is so great that uh, uh, we have seen evidence here in the states of uh, automobiles being turned upside down and uh, policemen being shot at and uh, and e- even killings. It really sounds like we want peace, doesn't it? See, when Jesus taught us how to... How he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He went on to say, now if a man comes and smites you on your cheek, uh, the left cheek, he said, turn the right one also. And uh, this is what he taught us. In other words, if you're interested in peace, even at the expense of uh, of, of your own rights, he said, why don't you just just uh, let the buck stop with you? Now this is what Jesus said. Now I'm simply quoting what Jesus said. And so there there is such a thing as a false. Peace movement. You see, we don't want to go to war, and we don't want to defend our country and so forth, so we say, peace, peace. Do you know that the Bible speaks that in the last days they shall cry, peace, peace, then sudden destruction. Why? Because, you see, the peace is predicated not upon, listen to me carefully, peace is predicated not upon the best, or not in the best interest of your fellow man, but in the best interest of self. In other words, let me have my rights. Let me, leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do. Don't touch me. And so the love and the peace movement that is in our world today is not the true love that comes out of the Bible. The true love that came out of the Bible is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ gave his life. That's the love of God. 1 John 3:16 Hereby perceive we the love of God in that he laid down his life for us so ought we to lay down our life for the brethren and so when people are people are fighting even to the point of of destroying the the the, the government and and the forces that keep peace it's hard to say that they they are really wanting peace It was said of Jesus that his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of his government and peace there shall be no end. You will find in the Scripture that both government and peace are are together quite often. They become twins in operation. If, If you're going to have peace, you must of necessity have a chain of command, or you must of necessity have a government. If you take all the government away from us, then what do we have? We, 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 we will have every man fighting for himself and there will be no peace. If you take the government out of a local assembly like this, uh, and nobody knows who's going to be in charge on any particular day, then uh, we would just it would be a pandemonious situation. If you go into a home where there's not a structure and where there's not a head in the household and so forth and so on, and uh, nobody knows who's, who's going to be in charge today. It, it's not going to be a healthy situation. And this is the reason why that in the Bible you will find that government and peace go hand in hand. And when we set out to destroy the government, now I believe that that through our uh, democratic process here in the States, that, that we, can, we can change certain things. But no man can become a, a law within himself and, and, and at the same time be pleasing in the eyes of God. Now I've, I've said a lot of things here. To, to tell you that this is also what's happening. In the religious world in which we presently live. There are so many people that just say. Well I want to have my own thing going with Jesus. As as someone wrote the song. Me and Jesus have our own thing going. I don't know if you've heard that or not. I think it's kind of a country western type song. But somebody uh, played it for me one day. And you listen to that, and 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 I understand the emphasis that they're placing on it, and and it 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 sounds very appealing, but on the other thing, on the other hand, you and Jesus cannot have your own thing going. You cannot step outside of the boundaries of the Scripture. And so as a result, uh, Timothy warns, or Paul warns Timothy. Timothy is a young man who is receiving instruction. Under the age of Apostle Timothy, the letter is written. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now, every man will be judged of the Lord. We just want to walk through these scriptures this morning and talk to you, because I feel that this is so very important that you understand. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul speaks of communion that... That we are to receive. And when he speaks of this communion. In 1 Corinthians 11. He says. That a man should examine himself. 1 Corinthians 11. uh, Verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread. And drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning, pardon me, not discerning the Lord's body. Now when Jesus was here, he lived a perfect life. Now the Bible bears witness of this, that though he knew no sin, he became sin for us. He was tempted in all points like as we are. Our sin touched him upon the cross, and as a result, Jesus Christ died. But we must understand That when Jesus Christ died, He was not a transgressor when He died. He felt our sin touch Him. And He took our place on the cross. Jesus Christ literally took your place on the cross. But there was no guile found in His mouth. The Bible tells us when He was reviled, He reviled not again. And when He was scourged, He didn't fight back. That's what the Scripture tells us. Now, His body was pure. And Paul is saying now, before you take communion, th- that that you should make sure that you examine yourself to see that you are of the faith, and before you drink of the cup which represents the blood, and before you eat of the bread which represents the body, he said, make sure that a self-examination takes place, that that you find a a closet, a prayer where you you meditate upon the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and His purity, and Because His blood was for the forgiveness of sins. And make sure that your sins have all been forgiven. Now contrary to what a lot of religions teach today. When you take communion you take it in remembrance of His pure blood and His pure body. A lot of churches tell you that you take communion for the forgiveness of sins. Not so. Paul says those sins must already be forgiven. And uh, they must already be taken care of. Because if you eat... With sin in your life, what do you do? He said, you heap damnation upon yourself. And if you drink with sin in your life, you heap damnation upon yourself. Now, verse 30, he says, for this cause, many are weak. Some people get very weak, spiritually speaking, or we could even say, in some cases, physically speaking. People get weak, and people are are sickly among you. In other words, the judgments of God rest upon an individual. For identifying, identifying himself... With the body of Christ, if he has not taken care of his own sin. And then, of course, many sleep. That simply means that there are people who die spiritually, some even physically, because they do not discern the Lord's body. And verse 31, he says, For if a man would judge, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, what happens here is that that when when you go to to God and you understand that that uh, you are a sinner and you pass judgment upon yourself you say God forgive me I've read the word of the Lord I understand the word of the Lord and, and I want you God to to judge me then you send your sins on ahead to be judged that's what Paul tells Timothy, some men's sins are said ahead to be judged some men's follow after them. We have the distinct privilege today of going before the throne of grace to receive mercy in the presence of the Lord according to first I say first according to Hebrews 4 we can go before the throne of grace and receive mercy and if we judge ourselves then we shall not be judged but uh, the judgment will come for every man. So if a man on a common day like today understands that he's lost, or understands that he's in need of God, or understands that there's a deficiency in his life, if he will come and surrender that to the Lord and say, God, I surrender my weakness to you, and I ask of you, God, to give me mercy. You see, God at that time then will judge that situation. And He cast our sins into hell, into the sea of forgetfulness, The Bible tells us they will be remembered no more. God cast them behind him as far as the east is from the west. Now we can go so far north and we can pinpoint where north begins. And we can go so far south and we can pinpoint where south begins. This is the reason why we have a north pole and we have a south pole. But when Jesus, or when the Bible speaks of the act of God in separating man from his sin... He separates man from his sin as far as the east is from the west. We do not have an east pole, and we don't have a west pole. You can continue to go east until you go all the way around the planet earth, and you can change your direction and you can go west until you go all the way around. In fact, you could spend the rest of your life, if you wanted to, going east. All you have to do is start traveling east, And you can spend 365 days a year until you reach the time in which you lay down your life and never change direction and you're still going east. But now you can't do that when you travel north or south. Because the time will come in which you go so far north that you start going south. And you see, God separates man from his sin. He casts them over his shoulder, backwards, as far as east is from the west. And he remembers those sins no more. Why? Because they have been judged. Now, what uh, Paul is saying, the time will come when God shall judge the quick. But there will come a time in which he will judge the dead. If you will turn with me in the book of Revelation, in the latter chapters of the book of Revelation, and we will make uh, mention first in Revelation 20... You see, when the rapture takes place, or when the church goes up, this is a judgment within itself. God previously judged the man's sin because he made peace with God, and you go up in the rapture. This is God putting His approval upon your life, that you are you are saved, that He He judges you worthy to to be in His presence. But the world will continue on. The uh, ecumenical movement that is present in our world forms a league. And they all bind together, and the false church then is cast into the lake of fire. Later on, the false prophet and the Antichrist that took advantage of the false church uh, will stand before God. But the religious movement will continue after the rapture of the church takes place. But in the final analysis, every man will stand before God one day to be judged. The Bible tells us in verse... uh, Uh, 10 of Revelation 20, And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Now the beast is the Antichrist. You see, out of the ten kings of the earth comes the Antichrist. They develop such great purchasing power and such that they require of every man a mark to be put in his hand so that... That he cannot buy or sell uh, unless he has the mark in his hand or, or in his forehead, and our modern computer age is bringing this upon us. There, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt about it. A man of our congregation who is now in the stewardship class downstairs, he came over my house and he told me, he "said Brother Grant, I just want to tell you something. I was just so amazed." He said, I was down at Woodman's where they have the computers, you know, how they check out the, the, uh, the commodities, commodities down there and and so forth. And then, of course, the, commu- the, uh, uh, the computers are now talking to you down there. You know, they, they tell you how much 150 and 169 and so forth and so on. Well, he got involved in a discussion with a man who is a computer specialist, and so Brother Andy Pizer, who was telling me this, said, "The I told the man that I understood the time would come in which you take just a, a credit card or something and you would pay your grocery bill through your credit card. In other words, they'd run it across. He said, well, even more than that, he said, uh, in, in certain areas it is already being tested that you can put a computer chip in, in your hand in here or back here and you just run it across and it's automatically deducted from your from your uh, account, so brother Andy thought he'd do a little research on it, and and he did some calling and talking, and and he found out that that because of the crime that's in our nation, and because of the abuse of children, that it's possible to take your child down to a hospital and and have a chip put in your child's hand or someplace in his body, and if your child is ever abducted they can pinpoint by satellite where your child is at all times. Now, it's hard to believe that technology is so great. And they can tell you exactly where that child is. They can pinpoint by the crossing of, of, of satellite beams, laser beams and such for, from satellites, they can tell you exactly where your child is. They can pinpoint it right down to a particular address. Now, that that's so hard to, to believe. And what I, I think that uh, technology is great. It's just that when it falls in the hands of wrong people and evil men, that they use it to their own advantage. There's nothing wrong with the Woodman's uh, system down here. In fact, I, I, I like to go down here because it's fast. And I don't see anything wrong with that. In fact, uh, we need a computer here at the church. and uh, Many times we've discussed it, and it would help us to streamline a lot of our accountings and and, and such. But, but on the other hand, uh, uh, this, this business falls in the hands of evil men. And you see, the European common market are the beast and the false prophet. The false prophet represents the false church, and the, the beast represents the, the false uh, economic movement or the corrupt economic movement, maybe I should say. And the time comes in which a man on the planet earth, after the, the quick have, have gone up to meet the Lord in the air, in which they cannot buy nor sell unless they have a particular mark in their hand or in their forehead. And of course the reason why in their hand or the forehead, preferably in the hand. But there is such a thing as losing your hands. But you you can live without your hands, but you can't live without your head. And so it it is necessary then to be able to put it in a part of your body in which uh, uh, cannot be lost. You may go through the the, the counter, and you may not have a hand to put on, but you will definitely have a head that can be scanned. <laughs> but God looks down and sees that this is all corrupt, and sees that, that man has turned his heart totally away from God. They believe a lie, uh, and they love to believe a lie. And you see, this is the age in which we are now living. This, this whole spirit... Is creeping up on the planet earth where people, they like to believe what they want to believe. In other words, don't tell me what's truth. Tell me what I want to hear. Now there's a lot of questing in our world today. But you've got to understand that even though people are seemingly searching for truth, there's a lot of people running head on into truth and they're not accepting it. And they don't want to believe it. They absolutely do not want to believe it. Folks, I'm preaching to you this morning the word of the Lord. This comes out of the Bible. And we've got to recognize that if we're living in the last days, and we certainly are, because the signs of times have all been fulfilled, we've got to understand the spirit that's creeping upon this planet earth. And it's affecting us. It's touching our hearts. So, in verse 10 of Revelation 20, the devil that deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. This is the lake of fire, commonly called hell. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Now, he saw the dead small and great. Now, please keep in mind, Peter says that uh, the saints of the world, or the saints of God shall judge the world. We are sitting around the throne with God at the time in which the graves are opened. Why? Because the quick have already been judged. But you see, there are people who die without God, and those people will be judged. Now, I definitely believe that there will be people here at the white throne judgment that will be judged, that will be saved. And somebody asked me, how could that be? See, Jesus said that on this great day, and He's speaking of this day, He will say, sheep to the right and goats to the left. And the reason why is because there's a thousand years of peace that's upon the face of the earth. If you notice verse 7 of Revelation 20, and when the thousand years are expired... You see, the planet earth will be replenished during the thousand years in which the Lord will reign upon the face of the earth. And people will will live long, long years as they did back in the days of Genesis. And when Satan is turned loose upon the earth, the battle of Gog and Magog is fought. And all of the people of the earth during this period of time is not deceived. So there will be people living in this dispensation to follow our dispensation. But but the period immediately after our dispensation here is called the Great Tribulation Period. I find no conclusive evidence if a man misses the rapture that he can be saved during the tribulation period. Now you, that is, if he's a Gentile. Now, if he's not a Gentile and he is a member of the Jewish tribe of Israel, uh, there is a possibility. Now you may say, what do you mean a possibility? Well, when you look in the Scripture, you will find that that there were several dispensations before Moses received the law. Now how God dealt with them, we are not really for sure, but we do know this. When God gave the law, He did not specifically state how you would be saved in the grace dispensation. And when God gave us the New Testament which is the law governing the grace dispensation, he does not specifically tell us what's going to happen in the next dispensation. But he does tell us in the book, in our dispensation, what you and I need to do to be saved. Jesus said, you must be born again. You see, when you're born again, you must first die out to sin. You cannot be an old carnal man and a new spiritual man. And I use the word old carnal man because this is scripture vernacular. You cannot be that old carnal man. The old carnal man must die. He is crucified with Christ when you repent. Then the man who has died, the old carnal man, is planted with the Lord in his burial or baptism. And when he is baptized, the old man is left, his sins are removed or washed away. A new man comes up out of that baptismal water, lifting his hands and thanking the Lord and receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's when the life of the Lord comes in you. This is when your body is quickened. If the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you it shall also quicken your mortal body in the day of the Lord Paul says in revelation not revelation but Romans 8 I'm glad I I I say this I say this humbly but 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 I rejoice when I say it I'm glad that I have the holy ghost Praise God. You see, I'm not good enough to save myself. I'm not saved on, on the basis of how good I am. But I'm saved on the basis of how good God is. And I manifested faith in God. And to think that you and I that make it in the rapture will sit around the throne of God to judge the world. But you see, regardless of who the man is, there will come a time in which he will be judged. So the quick and the dead will be judged. And of course, if you you read on there, the Bible tells us the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now let's go back. If you would... The Second Timothy four. I charge thee therefore before God. He received this charge from Paul. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appearing and his kingdom. When he appears for us, and we're taken away, he's putting his approval upon us. That is judgment for us. When he appears. To those that he's called forth from the grave, it is then time for them to be judged. Now, preach the word, Paul says. Preach the word. Preach the word. Let's say that together. Preach the word. Now, that means stay with the book. Stay in the Bible. Tell it from the book like it is. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Now, would you believe that God would want a preacher to stand behind the pulpit and reprove people? Do you believe that He would want people to stand behind the pulpit and rebuke people? I suppose so. It's in the book, you know. Is it there? Sure. See, preachers are not commissioned to make everybody feel good about themselves. You know, while we may stand out by the door and and pat you on the back when you leave and shake your hand make you feel good about coming to church, uh, please understand it's not always that. You see, out by the door, it's a pat on the back. Sometimes in here, it's a kick in the seat. I mean, it just has to be that way. Why must it be that way? We're dealing with the most precious commodity, the soul of man. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Or what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and then lost his own soul? You can't just dilly-dally around with this business. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody here this morning who really needs to hear what I'm saying. Listen, when God breathed into Adam's nostrils a breath of life, he became a living soul. That means he's different from all of the other creations of God. And that soul is inside of you. And you will live forever and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever someplace. It will either be in the presence of God in the holy city of New Jerusalem, which we commonly call heaven, or it will be in hell or the lake of fire, one or the other. But see, the decision is really yours. Now, Paul goes on. He said, now do this with all long-suffering and doctrine. Doctrine, let's say it together. Doctrine. Now, what's wrong with doctrine? Somebody just told me not too long ago, said, oh, we don't preach doctrine. You don't? No. What do you preach? If you preach anything, that must be your Doctrine. Uh, one lady said, All we do, we just we just got a common ground and, and, and you know, we have an interdenominational church and and we just preach love. We don't preach doctrine. Well if all you do is preach love, that is your doctrine. Because doctrine is no more than a religious preaching or teaching. Verse three for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Let's say sound doctrine. What do you think? Let's say it again. Sound doctrine. What do you think of when you talk of, think of sound doctrine? Not just a doctrine, but sound doctrine. In other words, a doctrine that will stand when the heat, when the pressure, when everything's on it. And you see, if you can't prove it according to the word of the Lord, it won't stand up. Let me just give you an example. Churches, all churches now have people in them who speak with tongues. I'd say that you could visit 99 churches out of out of 100 here, and you'd find somebody in, that speaks in tongues. Do you know just a few years ago, they all thought that was of the devil? You hear me? Listen to me. Now, we have spoken in tongues for years and years and years. We even spoke in tongues when they thought we were of the devil. Did you know there was a time in which people didn't think the Pentecostals would make it into heaven? I'm serious with you. But now everybody's speaking in tongues. Now, what's going to happen then when when persecution comes upon people for speaking in tongues? Those who believe that it is a Bible right, and those who believe that it is necessary, will continue to do it. And those who do not believe that, won't do it. You listening to me? You see, things flow through the religious community, kind of faddish things. People change their doctrine every day. I can truthfully say that I do not ever remember one of our conferences in which there was even a proposal made to change the doctrine of our church. And I really thank God for that. I say, I really thank God for that. Now please understand, I'm thankful that people of all denominations are receiving the Holy Ghost. Well, you see, you don't get this just because that's the fad. You get it because that's the fact. Because the fad may change, but the fact is stubborn. Truth is stubborn. You know, a fact is one of the most stubborn things in the world. You don't budge it, you don't move it, because if you can twist it or change it, it's not a fact. Now, the strange thing about deception is this a deceived person never knows he's deceived, he never even, he cannot even visualize that he's deceived. If he had the the slightest inkling of suspicion, he wouldn't be deceived. That's strange, isn't it? He wouldn't be deceived. I tell people this. I am so confident of the Bible and the teachings of the Bible you can come into truth and keep your mind totally open and never change. So I tell everybody, keep your mind open. You won't change. But short of truth, I don't care what you're involved in, if you keep your mind open, you'll change. I say short of truth. So to every person who is here, knowing that your soul is life's greatest commodity. And knowing that you will have to live forever somewhere, someday, isn't it really in your best interest to keep your mind open? Denomination and from movement to movement. But ultimately you will find the truth. But once you come into the truth, continue to keep your mind open, you will then establish yourself in sound doctrine. The time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now that simply means that people would like to have someone who would tell them what they want to hear. You know, I, I, I just experienced something that was so amazing to me. I went down to Chicago to the merchant smart down there. And I was dealing with uh, an individual down there trying to buy some carpet. And this man said, Oh, you're a minister? Yeah. He said, Well, we just ran our minister off. And uh, <clears throat> so and he was serious. I mean, he was dead serious. And he started telling me how they did it. He said, You know, I'll tell you the truth, he said. Now, he was an older man. He was kind of set in his ways. And said, we were all concerned because people kept leaving us. And he said, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's something when you see membership go down to nothing. He said, and, and uh, wow, he said, we were real concerned. In fact, this minister just heard near, and he spelled D-A-M-N, broke our church. And he started out swearing about it. And he went on and on it. Now here's a man that was so concerned about growth that he's going to swear about it. You know, I, I heard I like to die. I couldn't I couldn't believe he was saying this. You know, really. He said, and I'll tell you one thing. He said, we hired ourselves a preacher now that'll do it the way we want it done. Can you believe that? Now, I'm, I think I'm sensitive enough to know that if, if the people at Calvary Gospel Church rejected my ministry, I'm, I think that I'm sensitive enough and sensible enough to leave. But on the other hand, I'd put it like this. You didn't hire me. You can't fire me. That simply means that I have to stand behind this pulpit without any fear or any intimidation to tell you what the Bible says. You may not like it and you may not like it and there are times which we could have a vote here and I probably wouldn't get the majority of them. But you see, it's just that way. you know. And that doesn't mean that I'll never leave. And it doesn't mean that there's a time when a minister shouldn't leave. Or there's a time when he should leave. I I definitely believe that. But if we have ever needed preachers with tough Backbones. Knowing that this spirit of deception is falling upon the human race, we need it now. They should turn away their ears from the truth and should be turned to fables. Fables. You know what a fable is? It's a little story that's told. That's not scriptural nor truth. Oh, how we need the Bible. I'd like for you to stand, if you would, right now. Open up your Bible, would you? I just want you to do this this morning. Open it up. Any place, doesn't make any difference. Now, I want you to hold it close to your bosom. Would you do that? Praise God. David said, Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. While it's impossible to hide the Bible down inside of your heart, physically speaking, as we are portraying here, let this just represent the Word of God that we're wanting hid in our hearts. And I'd like for every head to be bowed right now. And I'd like for every eye to be closed. And I'd like for every person here to just pray, God, help me to keep my heart open to you and to your word. There is a strange mood of deception that's slipping upon this planet earth. Help me to be open to your word, God. Would you pray that kind of prayer right now? Oh God, I love you, Jesus. I love your word, Lord. I praise you, God. Help me, Heavenly Father, to dig in deeper than I've ever dug before. To hide it inside of my heart and mind like I've never hid it before oh God how we love you and how we love your word I want to worship you the way the Bible tells me I want to sing the way the Bible tells me I want to preach the way the Bible tells me I want to be the man the Bible tells me ought to be I want to be the preacher Lord you tell me that I need to be I want to be the teacher, Lord, that you are instructing me to be. I want to be the citizen, O God, that you want me to be. I want to be the husband that you want me to be. I want to be the father that you want me to be. I want to be a man of God according to your word, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me hide it, God, deep down inside. Let me love truth like I've never loved it before. Just help me, God, to be open enough to receive it all. Praise God, praise God. And as we are praying, I feel led to ask you, if you would, to come around the front. And if you would just come here and just stand just for a moment, all of you. We don't normally end on Sunday morning like this. But let's just come around the front right now. Oh, hallelujah. Bring your Bibles with you. I'd like for all of the ladies, if they would... To just join hands and all the men to join hands. Maybe we should have put you on one side and on the other. Just join hands throughout the building. And I want you right now, if you'd pray, God, bind us together with your word and with your spirit so that we will be a powerful force on this planet Earth to stand against the wiles of evil, the onslaught of Satan. Help us to love truth and not fables. Give us ears that are clean and not itching ears. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, God, bind us together, Lord. I'm glad, Lord, for your word, and I thank you, God, for truth. Oh hallelujah! Oh glory to God! Hallelujah! Saranda lo muhukayata, hendiya kunde rihiko si kumrianda mata. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You feel the spirit of urgency in what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. Feeling the spirit of urgency will affect your mood, it will affect your motive, it will keep your attitude pure. Oh, God. Hallelujah. With your heads bowed, listen to the words of Paul that precede these words. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now notice what he goes on to say. Now as Janes and Jambres without Moses so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the truth. But they shall proceed no further For their follies shall be manifest unto all men, and theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, long-suffering charity, and patience. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. Be assured of them. Learn them and know them hallelujah now let's just let the spirit of love creep across our fellowship right now as you turn to a brother or sister would you shake their hand look them right in the eye now and say we need each other and we need to pray for each other bind us together Lord bind us together help us to love your word God and to love the truth If we have anybody that would like to stay and pray, please feel free to come and kneel on either side of the pulpit here for a place to pray and seek the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is alive. He's coming back after His church. We're going to be ready. Praise God. We want to be ready, don't we? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to be ready when the trumpet sounds. I want to go up to beat him in the air. Praise God. Continue to pray here for a few moments. Remember our service tonight at 7. 6.30 prayer in the prayer rooms. And there will be our junior choir. will sing this evening at 5.30. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God! You need prayer, brother Lonnie Fuller needs prayer. So if our ministers and elders would come and anoint him with oil, praise God. Brother Thomas, would you come? And you? Hallelujah! 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 What are you playing? Oh you know it Sweet Jesus what a wonder you are You are Jesus is the healer and the man Hallelujah stars. Than the lily that grows by the way You're precious More precious Than gold Oh Jesus Sweet a wonder